It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 29 of The Scalp Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Scalp Hunters by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter 29 A Dinner with Two Dishes. El Sol, I have said, was standing over the prostrate Indian. His countenance indicated the blending of two emotions, hate and triumph. His sister at this moment galloped up and leaping from her horse advanced rapidly forward. Behold, said he, pointing to the Navajo chief, behold the murderer of our mother. The girl uttered a short, sharp exclamation, and drawing a knife, rushed upon the captive. No, Luna, cried El Sol, putting her aside. No, we are not assassins. That is not revenge. He shall not yet die. We will show him alive to the squaws of the Maricopa. They shall dance the Mamanchik over this great chief, this warrior captured without a wound. El Sol uttered these words in a contemptuous tone. The effect was visible on the Navajo. "'Dog of a Coco!' cried he, making an involuntary struggle to free himself. "'Dog of a Coco, leagued with the pale robbers! Dog! Ha! You remember me, Dacoma? It is well!' "'Dog!' again ejaculated the Navajo, interrupting him and the words hissed through his teeth, while his eyes glared with an expression of the fiercest malignity. "'He-he!' cried Rube, at this moment galloping up. "'He-he! That engine's as savageous as a meat-axe! Lamb him! Warm his collops with the bull-rope! He's warmed my old mire! Nick syrup him!' "'Let us look to your wound, Monsieur Holler,' said Sanguin, alighting from his horse, and approaching me, as I thought, with an uneasiness of manner. "'How is it?' Through the flesh? You are safe enough, if indeed the arrow has not been poisoned. I tear... El Sol, here, quick, my friend, tell me if this point has been dipped. Let us first take it out, replied the Maricopa, coming up. We shall lose no time by that. The arrow was sticking through my forearm. The barb had pierced through the flesh until about half of the shaft appeared on the opposite side. El Sol caught the feather end in both his hands and snapped it at the lapping. He then took hold of the barb and drew it gently out of the wound. "'Let it bleed,' said he, "'till I have examined the point. It does not look like a war-shaft, but the Navajos use a very subtle poison. Fortunately I possess the means of detecting it, as well as its antidote.' As he said this, he took from his pouch a tuft of raw cotton. With this he rubbed the blood lightly from the blade. He then drew forth a small stone vial, and pouring a few drops of liquid upon the metal, watched the result. I waited with no slight feeling of uneasiness. Seguin, too, appeared anxious, 
and as I knew that he must have oftentimes witnessed the effect of a poisoned arrow, I did not feel very comfortable seeing him watch the assaying process with so much apparent anxiety. I knew there was danger where he dreaded it. "'Monsieur Haller,' said El Sol at length, "'you are in luck this time. I think I may call it luck, for your antagonist has surely some in his quiver not quite so harmless as this one.' "'Let me see,' he added, and stepping up to the Navajo he drew another arrow from the quiver that still remained slung upon the Indian's back. After subjecting the blade to a similar test, he exclaimed, "'I told you so. Look at this. Green as a plantain. He fired two. Where is the other? Comrades, help me to find it. Such a tell-tale as that must not be left behind us.' Several of the men leaped from their horses, and searched for the shaft that had been shot first. I pointed out the direction and probable distance as near as I could, and in a few moments it was picked up. El Sol took it and poured a few drops of his liquid on the blade. It turned green like the other. "'You may thank your saints, Monsieur Haller,' said the Coco. "'It was not this one made that hole in your arm, else it would have taken all the skill of Dr. Reichter and myself to have saved you. But what's this? Another wound. Ha!' He touched you as he made his right point. Let me look at it. I think it is only a scratch. This is a strange climate, Monsieur Haller. I have seen scratches become mortal wounds when not sufficiently valued. Luna, some cotton, sis. I shall endeavor to dress yours so that you need not fear that result. You deserve that much at my hands. But for you, sir, he would have escaped me. But for you, sir, he would have killed me. "'Well,' replied the Coco, with a smile, "'it is possible you would not have come off so well. Your weapon played you false. It is hardly just to expect a man to parry a lance-point with a clubbed rifle, though it was beautifully done. I do not wonder that you pulled the trigger in the second joust. I intended doing so myself, had the lasso failed me again. But we are in luck both ways. You must sling Miss Arm for a day or two. Luna, that scarf of yours—' "'No,' said I, as the girl proceeded to unfashion a beautiful scarf which she wore around her waist. "'You shall not. I will find something else.' "'Here, mister, if this will do,' interposed the young trapper Gary, "'you are heartily welcome to it.' As Gary said this, he pulled a colored handkerchief out of the breast of his hunting-shirt, and held it forth. "'You are very kind. Thank you,' I replied, although I knew on whose account the kerchief was given.' You will be pleased to accept this in return, and I offered him one of my small revolvers, a weapon that, at that time and in that place, was worth its weight in pearls. The mountain man knew this, and very gratefully accepted the proffered gift, but much as he might have prized it, I saw that he was still more gratified with a simple smile that he received from another quarter, and I felt certain that the scarf would soon change owners at any rate. I watched the countenance of El Sol, to see if he had noticed or approved of this little by-play. I could perceive no unusual emotion upon it. He was busy with my wounds, which he dressed in a manner that would have done credit to a member of the R.C.S. "'Now,' said he, when he had finished, "'you will be ready for as much more fighting in a couple of days at the furthest. You have a bad bridle-arm, Monsieur Haller, but the best horse I ever saw. I do not wonder at your refusing to sell him.' Most of the conversation had been carried on in English, and it was spoken by the Coco chief with an accent and emphasis to my ear as good as I had ever heard. He spoke French, too, like a Parisian, and it was in this language that he usually conversed with Seguin. I wondered at all this. The men had remounted, with the intention of returning to the camp. Extreme hunger was now prompting us, 
and we commenced riding back to partake of the repast so unceremoniously interrupted. At a short distance from the camp we dismounted, and picketing our horses upon the grass, walked forward to search for the stray stakes and ribs we had lately seen in plenty. A new chagrin awaited us. Not a morsel of flesh remained. The coyotes had taken advantage of our absence, and we could see nothing around us but naked bones. The thighs and ribs of the buffaloes had been polished as if scraped with a knife. Even the hideous carcass of the digger had become a shining skeleton. "'Wah!' exclaimed one of the hunters. "'Wolf now or nothing. Here goes!' And the man leveled his rifle. "'Hold!' exclaimed Seguin, seeing in the act. "'Are you mad, sir?' "'I reckon not, Captain,' replied the hunter, doggedly bringing down his piece. "'We must eat, I suppose. I see nothing but them about. And how are we going to get them without shooting?' Seguin made no reply, except by pointing to the bow which El Sol was making ready. Eh ho added the hunter. "'You're right, Captain. I asks pardon. I had forgot that piece of bone.' The cocoa took an arrow from the quiver, and tried the head with the assaying liquid. It proved to be a hunting shaft, and adjusting it to the string he sent it through the body of a white wolf, killing it instantly. He took up the shaft again, and wiping the feather, shot another, and another, until the bodies of five or six of these animals lay stretched upon the ground. "'Kill a coyote when you're about it,' shouted one of the hunters. "'Gentlemen like we are to have leastwise two courses to our dinner.' The men laughed at this rough sally, and El Sol, smiling, again picked up the arrow, and sent it whizzing through the body of one of the coyotes. "'I think that will be enough for one meal, at all events,' said El Sol, recovering the arrow, and putting it back into the quiver. "'Aye,' replied the wit. "'If we once more we can go back to the larder again. It's a kind of meat that eats better fresh, anyhow.' Well, it dis, Hoss. Wah, I'm in for a griskin of the white. Here goes. The hunters, laughing at the humor of their comrades, drew their shining knives and set about skinning the wolves. The adroitness with which this operation was performed showed that it was by no means new to them. In a short time the animals were stripped of their hides and quarters, and each man, taking his quarter, commenced roasting it over the fire. Fellers, what do you call this anyhow? Beef or mutton? asked one as they began to eat. "'Wolf mutton, I reckon,' was the reply. "'It's doggone good eatin', I say. Peels off as tender as squirrel. It's summat like goat, ain't it? Mine tastes more like dog to me. It ain't bad at all. Better than poor bull any day. I'd like it a heap better if I were sure the thing hadn't been up to yarn varmint on the rocks.' And the man who said this pointed to the skeleton of the digger. The idea was horrible and under other circumstances would have acted as a sufficient emetic. "'Wah!' exclaimed a hunter. "'You've most taken away my stomach. I was a-going to try the coyote before you spoke. I won't now, for I seed them smellin' about him before we rid off.' "'I say, old case, you don't mind it, do you?' 